Are you looking for new books to read? Do you like finding a new special author? Are you tired of the same old books from the same old authors? Well then, welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where you can hear from fantastic new authors. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have worked hard to write great new books. Hear about their book and why you should check it out. So sit back and listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Thought for a, a change today, I would do a stack of staff picks. Okay, perfect. Uh, so uh, these aren't necessarily new books, although some are fairly recent, but some are quite old. But these are the books that are our bread and butter that we just sell all day long. Okay, perfect. Uh, and, you know, winter is when people are uh, not buying gifts, they're buying books for themselves to hunker down and read. So uh, well, I was going to ask you that be before we start on those. So for, from the book selling industry, do, do you see a big upsurge in December, like a lot of retail and then slow in January, or is there still good yeah. sales? Does it change? What, what's that like? Uh, yeah. Unless you live in a, in a winter summer place like Florida, you're going to have a huge slowdown in the winter. Uh, for us, it goes from January all the way to Mother's Day. That's when Mother's Day is the next big uptick, uh, which then for us, we're a tourist place for the summer months. So that launches us from Mother's Day all the way through the summer into fall and then Christmas. But December is the biggest month of the year, followed by August. Oh, uh, really? So, I, I would have, uh, if I would have been betting, I would have said it been like May or something, people getting ready for summer reads. But why do you think August yeah. is big? Oh, because we have tourists. So we just have, we have twice as many people in the town. Um, the plus people read all the books they bought in May and then they need a new book. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. But Got you're right. Uh, and if you follow the, the major traditional publishers, they push out a huge number of titles in March, April <laughs> and getting ready for summer and a huge number of titles in September, October, getting ready for, for Christmas. So, ah, um, okay. They are also aware of those. But yeah, Christmas is huge for us. Uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day are big because the book's a good thing to get your parent. Um, and uh, and yeah, so that, that's uh, also interesting. Oh, sorry. That's also interesting what you said that the publishers put things out in August, September to get ready for December uh, sales, which yeah. I think if any of the authors listening, think about that because uh, a lot of the push is, Oh, get ready for a big launch on Amazon for that first month and then forget about it. So if you don't sell a lot in September, well, Oh, that's it. That's the end. But that's not even traditionally what seems to happen. So it's more of a no. long-term thinking. Yeah. I mean, what, you know, most retail stores are buying stacks of books that are going to last them, you know, 10, 12 weeks. They're not, they're not necessarily buying like a consumer would, which is as soon as they want a book, right. They jump right. on. So, so the artificial yeah, it's a different world, the artificial thinking we've developed in the author world around what Amazon does isn't necessarily what's happening and what people right. do. And I think that's important. Well, and it's it's completely engineered by Amazon's algorithm, which pushes new books for the first 30 days. I don't know if you've heard of the 30-day cliff or the 60-day cliff, but right. they naturally push new stuff out to the front. And then after 30 days, they stop doing that. So uh, that's why people concentrate so much on on those first 30 days, because right. you, re you really want to make sales and get people on your mailing list before you disappear. Right. 
Okay, great. Well, so what do we got here today, January? Okay, this is a, this is going back to the 90s, but this is one of my all-time favorites. This is A Drink Before the War by Dennis Lehane. He's best known for Mystic River, which they made a movie of in the 90s right? Uh, with, with Chris Penn. And uh, uh, I think it was directed by Clint Eastwood, one of his first big uh, hits. It's very, very Boston. Uh, it's very 90s, so it's a mystery where no one's like using Google to solve it, which is great. Uh, and it's two great detectives, a man and a woman, um, just doing great detective stuff. It's very like Robert Parker Spencer kind of feel. It's funny, but it's got this undertone of um, of racism in Boston, which there is plenty of. And um, just a great book in the first of five with the same two characters. The third book uh, was called Gone Baby Gone, which they made a great movie uh, out of about a decade ago. I don't know if you saw it. It was a Right. It was one of the few movies where I walked out of and people were actively discussing it on the sidewalk because the ending was so intensely controversial. So, wow. Okay, uh, good. Great books. Yeah. He adds, a, he just adds a little bit. Have you seen Gone Baby Gone? No, actually, I haven't. Oh, I mean, the book's even better, always. But um, in, the, in the book, you've built up to these characters with two previous books, whereas in the movie, they just drop you in. But. <laughs> The, the main the main male and female detective uh, strongly disagree about what should happen in the outcome of the case. And uh, it's pretty striking in the movie. It's great. Oh, nice. I'll expect. add that to my list. This is a new book, and this is actually from Lake Union, which is one of Amazon's publishers. Don't tell anyone at indie bookstores because a lot of us don't like to carry Amazon books. But this book sells like crazy. Good for book groups. It's called West with Giraffes. Uh, it's historical fiction set in the Great Depression about some uh, some two giraffes who are washed up on the East Coast after a ship goes down and mm -hmm. the people who drive them all the way across the country in the 1930s during the Dust Bowl to the San Diego Zoo. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's based on a true story, and it's a, but it's a novel and book groups are, are grabbing it like crazy. That's West with Giraffes. Uh, this one's about four or five years old. It's called Sing, Unburied Sing. Uh, the author's name is Jessamine Ward. And uh, her first book uh, was called Salvage the Bones, and it won the National Book Award. This was her second book. It won the National Book Award. So uh, she's not messing around. <laughs> this is, and this is, uh, this is set in uh, Mississippi modern times, but has a lot to do with with sort of race and small town corruption. And it's a ghost story. One of the, the main characters, uh, one of their relatives has died and she sort of can't get over it. And then they start actually showing up. So, but it's not a horror story or anything like that. It's it's literary fiction. Okay. Beautifully written. Beautifully, beautifully written. Uh, you may have read this one. This was an oldie, but a goodie. Oh. Little Brother by Cory Doctorow. I actually did. I, I read the digital version because he releases his stuff DRM free uh, right. on his website. And I kind of discovered him early in my career because of that. He is a cool guy. So when I, I read this a few years ago, I was like, this is just war games 20 years later. And it's, it's war games 20 years later. If you loved the Matthew Broderick movie, uh, it has all of that vibe. Young teenager who's too smart for his own good hacks into a system that turns out to be very, very bad. And they come after him. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's great. Great stuff. Funny. Uh, great action. Uh, this is a nonfiction one, uh, a couple of years old, called The World According to Fanny Davis. Uh, this is a pick of Sarah who works here, and it's uh, 
about uh, Detroit in the 1950s and a woman, a black woman who worked for a numbers running business. She was like a regular old housewife, but she had this secret life of accounting crime, you know, running, running numbers, which was gambling and betting. Um, real slice of life, 1950s Detroit. Cool. Uh, kind of stuff. Uh, do you know Naomi Novik, sci-fi writer? That um, one I haven't heard of. Nope. So she she's written a dozen books, but this is her her newest trilogy. So this book's about three years old, but the second one came out last year and the third one came out this year. This is called A Deadly Education. Uh, I was in this sort of um, I was in this streak of reading uh, sci-fi and fantasy books with a really snarky teenage first person narrator. And this fits that bill. Uh, it's set in a college. Uh, so it's got a. You know, it's got what they call it now. What do they call it? Dark academia is this whole genre now of Harry Potter, but more intense. OK, <laughs> and then, this falls in that place. The the magic in this world is really cool and, and creepy. And when you use magic, it attracts dark forces. Uh, so you have to use magic very carefully. It's set at a school where everybody is using magic. So only about a third of them actually live through to graduation. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> so, yeah. so, so you're not going to take your ten year old to see to read this one or see the movie. No. Um, the main character has a huge amount of magical ability, but it's all steeped in dark magic, and she does not want to be a dark magician. So she's trying to get through school without actually using her talent, uh, and she is very, very funny. So great, cool. great snarky, snarky book, a deadly education. Love it. Uh, bouncing all over the place here. This is uh, Brene Brown, who is all over, you know, yeah. um, has YouTube videos and TED Talks and and just a good inspirational author um, that sort of just blew up in the independent book world along the same time that like Cheryl Strayed and Wilde did or educated. Basically, women, middle-aged women um, sort of stepping to the front uh, in a way that they haven't been and talking about how to live a real life, a authentic life. So she's, she's smart. And uh, the book is uh, really, really good advice without, and, and like things you can do and ingest, right? It's not like uh, pie in the sky type stuff. Good. couple more here. Uh, this is the book I may have sold, hand sold the most of in the last two years called The House yeah. in the Cerulean Sea. I uh, took off on TikTok and it's become a bestseller. But um, every summer, because like I say, we're a summer store. We have a ton of people in the summer and people come in and they ask me the same question over and over again. They say, I want a really well-written book, but light and funny. And I'm like, they don't do that. Right. <laughs> Charles Dickens, I, great expectations, right? <laughs> yeah. But even the, right, not funny. I mean, it has so many books, right. but it not very light either. Crazy old, yeah, also had a crazy old woman. Uh, this is that book. Uh, it's it's literary fiction. It's extremely well written. The characterization and the voice and everything. The plot is predictable, but it doesn't matter because it's so well written. Uh, and it's set in a world where there are there is magic, but they don't go into it. They don't don't go too far into it. But there are these homes for magical children, which are basically ghettos right to keep them away from the regular populace uh and the main character is a guy called linus who's a very downtrodden bureaucratic type 
like, you know, Brazil or something like that. Uh, and it's his job to make sure that the children are being well-treated. And he is sent off to this island where they haven't heard from the school for several weeks, and they're worried that something has happened. So he goes off there, he's total fish out of water, and everything there is magical and funny and amazing, and he just falls in love with the kids. And, of course, you can you can see, right, you can write where it's going to go, right? Like, the the big bosses are going to tell him to do something he doesn't want to do. So you, you can see the plot coming, but it doesn't matter because it is just delightful. So, cool. Um, and that is TJ Klune, The House in the Cerulean Sea. There's, I think, five kids in the house, and they all have amazing, distinct voices. And writing kids is super hard to do. Yes. Um, and he just knocks it out of the park. So, And fine, uh, I got two left, both nonfiction. Uh, this is an oldie but a goodie. John Adams, if you're looking for something thick to <laughs> curl up in in the snow. Um, he was a crazy, crazy man. Brilliant New Englander. Um, if you watched Hamilton, <laughs> he's, he's not even in Hamilton, but they make fun of him constantly right. because he was sort of the opposite of Hamilton. He was completely uptight, um, uh, you know, just overbearing um, intellectual um and just brilliant. So big book, but it's David McCullough. Uh, everything he writes is is great and fun. Um, I saw him speak once. He, you could tell he was a retired professor because he spoke for like an hour without notes, just stood on the stage and and talked and he was just brilliant. And the book reads like that. It reads like somebody telling you about it uh, nice. instead of dry history. So um, I find as I get older that there's a whole generation of people that have missed some of these books. So, you know, 15 years ago, if I said, there's this book, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I read it. <laughs> because it was a huge bestseller. It was, it was on the bestseller list for probably a year. Uh, but now there's a whole other generation who have not read this book, but they've seen Hamilton. So it's it's sort of fun to bring some of these other ones back. Uh, last but not least, this is one of my favorite. Uh, it's called The Self-Driven Child. And you can tell just by the packaging that they're trying to jump on the Malcolm Gladwell kind of pop, you know, pop science, pop psychology kind of thing. But this is a great parenting book that was co-written um, by a um, neuroscientist uh, and a psychologist and by a guy who teaches college test prep, <laughs> who met at a party and realized that their clients had many of the same problems um and it's about how anxiety is affecting kids how our goal should be to teach them to make decisions for themselves and that we're sort of missing that in the last couple generations with helicopter parenting and all of that and it has some really strong uh practicable advice which is great um my favorite quote from the whole thing is um Nobody brags that their 25-year-old reads at a 26-year-old level. Um, because you hear that, all you know, as a bookseller, you know, someone's buying a present for their grandchild. They're like, he's six, but he reads at a nine-year-old nine level. Or, you know, just constantly that constant comparisonitis. Um, and, you know, they're like, kids will figure out how to read. Like, yeah, I you, was you, reading Hardy Boys when I was in kindergarten. So when I talk right. to people and they're like, oh, that's like for third graders, I'm like, Really? That's a third grade book? I mean, I, I I can't, you know, relate. I have to rely on other people to tell me what's the average 
kid mm -hmm. reading. So yeah. But their point is that it should not, there shouldn't be an average kid reading level. They should learn when they learn. Uh, Agreed. That they're all going to catch up and that it is more about giving them the tools to make decisions and uh, and that they have to fail things. Oh my gosh. I am going to have to get, as soon as we sign off, I'm going to get that book because it's exactly the same stuff I've been saying in a talk I've been giving the parents about anxiety, depression in kids and what we're not doing for them to help them prepare for the future and why when they reach that future, they're like, depressed uh and it's some of the same exact stuff there yeah. so got to add that yeah to you would top. like it it's called the the self-driven child uh and uh yeah look it up because i think i think you'd like it it, it was really it was really good so nice uh, great yeah that's uh so that's a good stack and again it's the time of year we grab an old thick book something you've been meaning to read uh yeah. and wait for the sunlight to come back so <laughs> right or you just live in cloud city when you're so you're always above the cloud. I, I had Hoth as a background for Christmas time. So <laughs> <laughs> Hoth is good. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, Hoth, I mean, Cloud City has some back has some drawbacks, but you know. Well, yeah, uh, considering that you know, if the repulsors gave out, the whole city crashed. That you know, that was yeah. a problem. <laughs> their their garbage disposal system leads something to be desired. Yes, it did. <laughs> All right, we'll talk. We just blow it out the bottom. Yeah, there you go. Um, down to the planet those are those are great books i'll put links to everything and anyone listening you know check out tom's website tell everybody the website and i'll have links in the show notes uh if you just go to riverrunbookstore.com there's a link there to buy books uh we use a site called um indie light which is uh our own um website that connects to distributors so everything in print you can order to your house just like you would with amazon uh except uh, the profit goes to us. Or if you live wherever you live in the country, you can use uh, bookshop.org uh, or IndieBound. Both will ask you your zip code and they connect you to a local independent bookstore. So um, and where, where are you actually? Me, but what's Sorry, that? where are you actually located if anyone's in the area? Oh, I'm in New Hampshire, uh, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And uh, so if you're coming to New England to visit, don't come now. Uh, it's dark and it's cold. But if you come in the summer, we're here. Uh, but uh, if you have a bookstore in your community, then uh, support them. Absolutely. I always encourage that. Bookstores and libraries. Excellent. All right. Great. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, Tom. Nice talking to you again. I'll get in touch in a okay. couple of weeks and we'll see what's new. Sure. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Val, welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths. How are you doing this great morning or afternoon, actually? Thank you, Stephen. I'm very well, thank you. And it is evening here. <laughs> it's evening there. Okay. It's the afternoon for me. So all <laughs> over the world, I talked to one person from Australia and they were time traveled because they were in the, the next day. So yeah. they were Oh, there. right. I always mix up which way around that is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Val, why don't, before we get started talking about your book, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what you like to do, those types of things. Okay, my name is Val. I'm Irish. I've lived in Ireland all my life. In fact, the longest I've ever been out of the country is four consecutive weeks. What do I like to do? Since I started writing, I find I have far less time to do things than I used to, but I still like to go outdoors. I still like to go for walks in the countryside. I love to travel, but COVID put an end to that for a while. We had right. really long lockdowns here. <laughs> but I'm hoping to get back to that again very soon. Nice. Yeah. My, my son loves Ireland. He got to visit on a school trip and he was thinking of trying to move over there, but he's not sure. He just loves the country. 
And when was this? When did you visit? Oh man, it's been three or four years now. Yeah, four four years ago. Oh, okay. Just lovely if you don't mind the rain. He was happy. He got to see where they filmed some of the Star Wars movies. So he was like, oh, it made his day. All right. Tell us a little bit about your book and why you wanted to write this particular book. Okay. My book, Where Loyalty Side, that's the fourth one in my Ethan Wallace trailer series. So it led on from the first one. I just kind of led on from there. But why I started writing in the first place was because I was made redundant from my office job and I was it was a really bad time. There was very little work here. And I was just thinking, what will I do while I'm waiting? And I thought I'll try writing and see how that goes. Because at the back of my mind, I always thought someday I'd try because I hadn't written since I was a child. So I just tried it and then I liked it. And then I didn't have to work for a while because I've been made redundant. So I decided, okay, I was going to spend the next year writing my book. So that's what I did. So that was my first book. And it just went down to my second, my third, my fourth, and my fifth will be out in March. Oh, nice. Okay. So this is nice time getting ready for the fourth book to come out. So tell us, without giving things away, tell us a little bit about this book and the whole series. Because being the fourth book, people are probably going to want to know what the whole series is about. Like, genre and the overall plot and what this one's about okay so they're psychological threaders they're all self-contained threaders so there's a mystery that's solved at the end of the book no mysteries are ever carried on at the next book right so the thing about the series is the series follows the main character her name is Aoife and it follows Aoife's life throughout the series so in book one she's pregnant with her first child and in book five she has a five-year-old okay so The book starts with Aoife, she's early 20s at the time, and she's married and she's pregnant with her first child. And she takes a job in an office in Dublin, and on her second day, she finds her boss hanging from the ceiling. Okay, so then she goes on maternity leave, and when she comes back, the police have already concluded their investigation, and they've decided that it was murder, but they have no suspects. So Aoife trained as a journalist. She always wanted to be a journalist, but that's very hard to do in Ireland and she couldn't get any work. So she gave up and she started doing office work. But now she's a baby. She wants more control over her schedule. So she sees this as her opportunity because she has a a unique perspective on this murder. She found the victim. She now works with people who've known the victim for years so she can interview them without them even realizing they're being interviewed. So, of course, it isn't long before somebody finds out what she's doing and somebody tries to kill her. Now, <laughs> now she thinks she's very happily married. But when somebody is trying to kill her, her husband doesn't care and he seems to be turning into somebody she doesn't recognise. So then she begins to wonder, who did she marry in the first place? So the whole series then just follows her relationships through the series. Okay. So, then, okay. yeah. so then in the second book, which is called Only Lies Remain, Aoife's father-in-law disappeared, his name was Danny. Danny disappeared, walked out of the family home 15 years earlier and was never heard from or seen again. And now his body turns up and it turns out that he was murdered then. So the most obvious suspect in the police's eyes is Aoife's mother-in-law, but Aoife doesn't think her mother-in-law would ever have done anything like that. So she decides that she will find proof that her mother-in-law is innocent. Now, Eva has lost her own parents. They died when she was 18. So she's actually very close to her mother-in-law, who she's always seen as a surrogate mother. So she starts trying to prove that her mother-in-law is innocent. But the more she looks into it, the less likely that seems. Okay, so it's a whole load of complicated things, right? So then in the third book, 
two members, and actually an entire family emerged at the home, but two of the members were victims of, or sorry, two of the victims were members of Aoife's book club. So when Aoife investigates, she starts interviewing members of her own book club and she found, finds loads of them have secrets and loads of them are suspects, right? And then in Where Loyalties Lie, four young people go for a walk on the cliffs of her and one of them falls off. So his three friends say it was an accident, but a stranger who saw the whole thing said says that one of the guys, Ben, pushed his friend off the edge of the cliff, right? So Ben's family are very wealthy and they hire detectives and solicitors and everybody to try to prove his innocence. But when they're not getting anywhere, somebody suggests Aoife to his mother and then his mother asks Aoife to get involved. So that's my fourth book. So the book will be out in March then. <laughs> Iska is about a young couple. Their names are Nicole and Matt. Nicole and Matt are on their honeymoon. They're on a beach in Italy. And Nicole falls asleep. And when she wakes up, Matt's disappeared and she never sees him again. Wow. <laughs> so then he starts investigating his disappearance. So that's the book will be out in March. I, I got it figured out already. It's got to be Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, I don't do idiots. <laughs> Got it. Okay. That's more my bu- type of book. Val, what would you say is like, what other books out there would you say are, are similar to yours in case people are interested and would like to read yours? Oh yeah. That's a whodunit. That's a fast paced female led. So say Shari La Pena, K.L. Slater, anybody like that really. Okay. All right. And did why did you choose a psychological murder thriller instead of something else? That's what I read. When I, when I first started writing, I started writing an entirely different sort of book. I decided that I'd write YA because I thought YA would be easier. It isn't. But then anyway, it didn't turn out to be YA. It turned out to be much younger. And I, it was not, I enjoyed it because it was the first thing I ever wrote. But then about a course of the way through it, I started thinking, you know, I want to write a thriller. So then I started writing thrillers instead. <laughs> See, I went the opposite. I started off thinking I was going to be writing some adult fantasy thriller type book and ended up find, discovering I'm much more of a middle grade kid writer. And I do that really well. I did my middle grade first. <laughs> it went the other way. Yeah. Is this independently published or do you have an agent and publisher? No, I did it myself. Okay. And where do you have a website? Where can people find this book? Yeah, my website is valcommonsbooks.com. Okay, we'll make sure and have a link put it. So you said it's coming out in March. How often are you publishing your books? There was a slight delay between the first and the second, but all the others came out in March. Okay, so every, so it'd be something people could rely on. March, it's time for the new book. <laughs> so far, I can't guarantee it's going forever, but so far. Good, good. What type of feedback are you getting from readers of the series? Oh, I've been very lucky with it. I've had a lot of people who've reviewed it and all except for the first book I got Bob feature deals for it. So that meant an awful lot of people bought it. So I had like thousands of people buying it in one day. And it made one number one in all except the first one, made number one in Amazon in international thrillers and mysteries and a few others, a few other things like that. Amateur Sleuths, I think one of one of nice. them. Nice. And so I know a lot of people have trouble getting book bub deals. I don't know if probably most readers listening have heard of that. How did you get your BookBub deal? Because I know it can be difficult. Yeah, I know I heard it. I never even applied the first time because I've heard it's difficult. And I was under the impression that if you weren't like Harlan Coben or somebody, you might as well forget about it. But I had a lady who was helping me with my marketing 
And uh, she said to me, she, she didn't start helping me to my second book. And she said to me, you should put it in for a, a, a book feature deal. And I got it first time I applied. And I've been lucky enough that I've got it every book so far. Nice, nice. You have an Irish mystery, female written, female led. Maybe they, oh, we don't have enough of those on here. So your your whole genre and everything may be a benefit to that. I think that's great. Well, I think it's got something to do with the time of year. And also the first time I applied, I think it was in the middle of COVID. I can't remember now, but I remember thinking they're probably the best people publishing and that's why I got it. But then I got the next one, but that was actually in the middle of COVID. So I don't really know. Maybe COVID's got something to do with it. So, okay. Your series have plans for a fifth book or are you going to start a new series or what's your next plans? Usually what happens is by the time I finish one book, I have an idea for the next book and they just come to me like I'm listening to news or something. I have no idea idea no i sorry the fifth book is the one coming out in march i have no idea for the sixth for the sixth book so what i i don't know he said i might leave it for a year because what i've been thinking of doing for a while is writing a time traveling thriller and i might do that next year unless in the meantime i come up with an idea for another ethan book in which case i'll do nice. another ethan book nice i like that just made, made me think there was a horror movie i watched with a friend called grabbers it's set in ireland and it's alien squid-like creatures come. But <laughs> so I loved it because it seemed very Irish to me, at least being an outsider, that they found out the aliens were like allergic to alcohol. So everybody got drunk at the pub <laughs> to fight off the aliens. <laughs> I can see why you might think that was Irish. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I love this. This is great. Just what you said made me think of that. So that said, though, for your series, would you like to... Or would you love to see it as a TV show or as a movie? Anything. <laughs> if anybody wants to make it into a TV or movie, you don't even have to ask. You can have it. And <laughs> um, obviously, since there are five, there will be five books in March. A series would make more sense. So is this, I apologize, I haven't read your book yet, but do you feel it's something that would lend itself well to an individual episodes every week or one or the new way of doing it where it's six or eight episodes for one story and then each season's like a different book what do you think would work best i can't actually because like I can't old... actually imagine it i can't imagine it broken down because i wrote it as one thing i suppose you could break it down but i wouldn't know how to do that to me it would seem to make more sense to be like one book and then next book and next book and next right. book. And I'll make... made, made me think of a murder she wrote each week was a self-contained episode, but being a full book, that wouldn't really fit. But the, I don't know if you've seen it, the Jack Reacher series on oh Amazon. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be a Jack Reacher fan. <laughs> became a big fan. The show was great. I read some of his books and I'm like, these are great. They're, they're, I appreciated it because the, it's very, it keeps moving forward, very fast paced. There's not a lot of long, lengthy anything, not a long description, not long conversations. And the sentences I counted in almost all his sentences average like seven words, short sentences. And just so it was it was like a master class for me in writing in a different way because Lee Child. Yeah, I read most of his books and I never noticed that he had seven word sentences. But I remember the first time I wrote the first book of his that I read, Kidding Fields, I read that. I'd never heard of him. And I think he wasn't terribly well known at the time. I think he only had about four books out. And uh, I went into Eason's, which is a chain bookshop here. And at the time, they were going through a phase of encouraging people to sit down and read books. 
And my eyesight was beginning, <laughs> my eyesight was beginning to go. And I found that I couldn't read without my glasses, but I hardly ever carried glasses around anymore. So I needed a hardback book, which normally I wouldn't buy hardback books. But I started looking around for hardback books. I'd never normally have picked them up, but he was there. He was hardback, he had big print and I had no glasses. So I sat down and I started reading him. And oh my God, it, it, I was, it, I couldn't put that book down. I was yeah. absolutely enthralled. Yeah. I agree. And sorry if Lee ever hears about this. There are so many of his books. Unfortunately, I've not bought one new. They're at like all the yard sales, all the book sales at the libraries. So I've got an almost full complete collection that I got from here. Sorry, Lee, I, I didn't have, help you out there. Yeah, I've got almost a full collection as well. But in the early days, when I first found him, I bought all his books immediately, all that were out. And then after that, for a few years, I kept an eye out for them. They all came out in May here and I bought them all the first week in May, but I stopped doing that after a while. I don't do that anymore. I pick them up eventually. Now. So May seems to be thriller month. If you're looking for <laughs> probably, it makes sense because people like to grab those type of books for their summer vacation. So if it comes out in May, it's still new. That makes a lot of sense to me. That's true, actually. Yeah. And that's probably why I get book book deals because one well, actually I think my usually mine in August. Where can people find your book? Because being an Irish author, I'm in the States. Where oh, is everybody the book buys, my books are sold mostly in the States. I hardly ever sell them outside of the States. Really? So all my books are in Amazon. All of them, excuse me, my voice is going. All of my books are in Amazon and my newest book is everywhere. So I always do it like that. I run a book wide for a year and then I put it in Kindle Unlimited. So all the others in Kindle Unlimited, excuse me, second, I just have to drink. Sure. No, I find that interesting. I may want to ask you more about that when we get to the author. We don't want to bore all the readers with some author publishing discussion. So I'm going to bring that back up. Okay. So Val, tell us again, what is your website? ValCollinsBooks.com. ValCollinsBooks.com. Okay. Let me ask you a couple other questions. I'm not specifically about your book. Who are some of your, we talked a couple already, but who are some of your favorite authors and favorite books? Okay. I went through a phase, like I started reading when I was very young. So I went through phases throughout my life. Like I used to read, I started off when I was a kid, I'd say I read kids books. When I got older, I read romance and then I read family sagas and then I did everything. I did, did literature, whatever you call it, classics. I was trying to think of the words. I did classics. I did comedy. I did everything you could, chick lit, everything you could think of. And I settled on thrillers. So now I read thrillers. And when I first started reading thrillers, I used to do my like the child, follow every single book he read. Linwood Barclay, I did the same. Harlan Coben, I never read all of his books because they didn't all interest me, but I read an awful lot of his books. But now I don't do that. Now what I do is I try to read somebody I haven't read before. So I try to always read somebody. So I read my first David Bell book there last week. My first Karen Slaughter book, I hadn't read her before. Everybody reads Karen Slaughter. I hadn't read her, so I read my first Karen Slaughter book before that as well. And then every now and again, I take breaks. I I try to do Hilary Manton's When She Died. What was the book? The one about Cromwell. I can't remember what it was called. But I tried doing that, and I'm doing a Philippa Gregory book at the moment. So I go off occasionally in tangents, but I always go back to new thrillers again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have some favorites, but I've discovered some new authors that I now try and read a lot of. So I go back and forth. I mean, right now I'm reading Dickens, A Christmas Carol. I do that every year. It's on my shelf right now. All right. Do you have a favorite bookstore you like to visit? 
there in Ireland? Where I am at the moment, we actually don't have any bookstores. <laughs> okay. so if I was going to buy books, generally, I wait until I was in Dublin. And like in Dublin, the main bookstore in Ireland is Easton's. I don't go into that, that often. I like I prefer Chapters or Hoggers, no, Hodges Vegas or there are two bookstores in Grafton Street. One of them closed down. The other one is still open. Whether Hodges Vegas is the one that closed down or is still open, I'm not sure, but that's the one I go into. <laughs> okay, got it. I like to support bookstores and libraries and that. So it's always fun to hear where authors like to read. And then if I'm ever in the area, I try and contact the author to go visit the bookstore with them and put up a Very video. Good. I've done that with a few in Chicago and a few around here and stuff. If you ever come here, there's actually a bookstore in Mace. I haven't read it to it yet, but it's beside Tesco's, which is a big supermarket here. And I've heard great things about that. It's a small independent bookstore. So if you're ever going to go anywhere, go there. I'd say they could probably use the sport. The others are big chains. They can do fine on their own. <laughs> got it. Okay. Got it. All right. So. Val, before we move on to talk about some authors, let me ask you this. If someone came up and said, Val, I heard you write some thriller books. I like thrillers. Why should I get your thriller and read it? Okay. What would you tell them? Okay, so I'd say if you like whodunits that are fast-paced, plot-driven, and female-led, then you'd like my book. Okay. There you go. I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing all that with us. Hopefully uh, some people will hear this and be ready to go get your book in May when it comes out. Thank you very much, Stephen. I appreciate it. Hi, if you enjoyed this episode of Discovered Wordsmiths, please support the author. Go to their website, go to Amazon, look them up, get the book. And if you click on the link that I have in the show notes, you'll also help support the podcast so I can keep the hosting and all the software I use and uh, keep it running for, to help more authors. When I am recording this, we've got over 100 episodes, lots of authors. Go to the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com. Check it out. There's a lot of great authors, probably in some genre that you love. See what they have. Check out their books. That's what the point of the podcast is for. So people can discover new authors, find some new books they love, support the authors so they can continue writing. So please support them. And if you do like the podcast, if you've been thinking of podcasting or you're a writer, I've got some links also at the website. Click on those if you're interested in any of the software or services that I talk about. Everything that I have there is something I use, so I've got an affiliate link. Again, it's a little bit, if everyone clicked on those, if they were going to get it anyway, it helps keep the podcast going. So let's all help each other out, discover more authors to read. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you.